Hello, one and all, and welcome to Dub Talk, uh, the podcast where a group of bounty hunters drive around in our super-powered uh, sports cars, nab bandits, and if we have any time left over, we discuss the latest and greatest in English anime dubs. I'm Spaceman Hardy, and I'm joined once again by my original goats, uh, Megan and Stephanie. Happy fucking birthday! Happy fucking birthday to Dub Talk, bitches! Sorry, how'd do that? Yeah. Someone set us up the bomb. <laughs> the bomb. You must construct additional pylons. Uh, I know we said that the, we were talking about the latest and greatest, but this today we're going to take a, uh, a little detour back in the past, all the way back to the year 1995. Do you remember? <laughs> no, that's not the right time for this. Right, yeah. Uh, I've asked the, the two lovely ladies to join me tonight to discuss one of my favorite all-time AOVAs, Gunsmith Cats. Uh, if you have not heard of Gunsmith Cats, it is from the circa of 1995, based on the manga by Kenichi Sonoda. Uh, here is a plot summary from the OVA, which is actually not based on any storylines from the manga. The OVA is anime original. So we have characters both from the manga and brand new ones as well. Uh, plot summary goes, Rally Vincent knows her weapons well, while her partner Minnie Mae Hopkins loves to play with explosives. The pair run a gun shop and one day Bill Collins of the ATF uses Rally's gun collection to blackmail Rally and Minnie Mae into working for the ATF. Little do they know that they are getting involved in a mission larger than they could imagine. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. So, <laughs> so this is our classics episode because you two hadn't watched this yet, and I talked you both into actually uh, getting the Kickstarter edition. About to say, there is a fun story behind this. Yes. Because nobody would have been able to possess this thing before. Right. It has been long out of print until now. Uh, thankfully, mm -hmm. due to the efforts of our good people, uh, uh, Robert at uh, Animago, uh, the, uh, we got it kickstarted on a beautiful Blu-ray transfer with mm -hmm. tons of special features, and it's back in print. Not streaming anywhere, though, but at least it's out there and illegally available for everyone to enjoy. Like uh, the like the new um the the Blu-ray transfers, they're gorgeous. Mm -hmm. Absolutely for a '90s show. Yeah, like this, it's great. A show that I think came out when I was like the ye old age of like five or six years old. Same. Yes, this was originally licensed by ADV back in 1995 and released on VH ta VHS tapes, one episode per tape, and you had to buy either the dub dubbed or the subtitled tape. Hardy, question for you. Mm -hmm. Did Hardy own six tapes of Gunsmith Cats? <laughs> Hardy owned I, I, a Gunsmith Cats. Unfortunately, no, I did not own six tapes of Gunsmith Cats. I would have loved to, but... But I did own the 2001 DVD release, which actually finally contains both uh, both language options. Okay, I was about to ask, like, then how did you come upon this in the first place? Ah, that's a good story. I found it at a anime DVD rental shop that we used to have. Yes, oh, nice. Memphis actually had an a, a uh, an anime shop that would rent out DVDs. Oh, I wish we had that back in Maine. That'd be freaking amazing and the very first one i ever rented was gunsmith cats and it blew me away and that's been that's been forever ago um sadly we don't have the store anymore or we do have the store but they've just moved and have gotten rid of their rentals and um, they mainly focus on like figurines and posters now 
Um, ah. But back in the day, uh, that was my first exposure to it, and I've been in love with it ever since. Um, and uh, for a 25-year-old show, you got to have a 25-year-old dub, which makes this the second oldest dub we've ever covered here uh, next to Akira. On oh, Dubtop. yeah, you're right. You're mm-hmm. right. This is the second oldest. Right. And so when you've got a 25-year-old dub, you're dealing with a 25-year-old crew. Um, starting off with our ADR director and scriptwriter. Mm-hmm. So uh, this is back in the old ADV days. So these are some names. If you haven't heard, you're going to definitely see a pattern here with some of the people uh, on this cast and this crew. And so starting out for our ADR director and scriptwriter, we have Matt Greenfield and Amanda Winley. Uh, Matt did double duties as director and scriptwriter, while Amanda did directing duties. Um now, given the age of this dub, what are your opinions of how well it's held up in the 25 years that it has been has existed? Um, I have an interesting question, though, because mm. um, I'm not familiar. I think I've heard Matt Greenfield before, Amanda and Lee. Not really. Um, what other stuff have they done exactly? Some really, really, really old ADV stuff. So basically, when I was a baby. <laughs> basically, okay. uh, they've when I was a young boy. Yes, <laughs> Matt has done stuff, done classics such as uh, as the original Burn Up and Burn Up W. Okay. He was on Devil Hunter Yoko. Uh, he directed the uh, the original Dirty Pair OVAs. Okay, interesting. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen Dirty Pair, but I've heard about it. Yeah, and uh, as far as Amanda goes. You may have heard her directing on a certain little show. I don't know. It's uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion. Oh. Uh-huh. Yeah, she did oh, the movies. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Matt did the dub for the TV show, and she did the dub for both of the movies. So okay, the old the old school movies, not the rebuilds, of course. Right. Okay. Right. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So, given that in mind. Uh, what are your opinions of this uh, rather uh, classic dub? Hmm. Well, this is definitely a 25-year-old dub. Yes. <laughs> For sure. Um, he, he, here's my take on this. And I was kind of talking to Hardy a little bit beforehand. It's a 25-year-old dub, and it does kind of sound dated because of it. However, given the nature of the OVA itself... And it's just full of 90s camp. I called this for like a connecting point for me as like a buddy cop film in a way. It, since it's filled with that much camp, I think it actually still works. Because, <laughs> oh, sweet Lord. <laughs> like, where do we even start <laughs> with how this story goes? 00711. <laughs> 00711, yep. Like, That's one of my favorite lines in the entire fucking dog. Oh, hey, oh, hey, look, it's 00711. It was great. No, it's admittedly, like, some people who might go into this, who are more into, like, modern shows and how dubbing is done nowadays, if they go into a show like this, they're going to have a hard time getting into the dub and really enjoying it, I think, Mm -hmm. Um, compared to, like, someone who is either originally from that same time frame, like like Hardy. Hardy was around when it came out. Um, and definitely into anime at the time, while Meg and I were like five year olds and didn't know the difference. 
Megan, um, Megan at that age was terrified of Beauty and the Beast and wanted to marry Elton John. So <laughs> that's amazing. True, true story. Megan, oh like tiny God. Megan, wanted to marry Elton John. That's my mom had great. to tell me that that was never going to happen. That's great. <laughs> that's right, kids. My five-year-old ass loved Elton John. <laughs> Does this explain things? Probably. Probably. No, but at the same time, like there are anime fans and anime viewers similar to like Megan and I who do also find some of the old school stuff fun and entertaining and this is one of those this is one of those for those who are in that middle ground between the old school and the new school we're in that middle ground where we like both mm-hmm. I think I think it's like a generational thing what it comes down to honestly like in terms of anime fans but <laughs> The writing and directing is a, it is a lot of fun. Some of the performances they do get a little bit stilted at times and they kind of come off as a little scratchy and irritating. I know for me um there were a couple times where Becky had that a little bit, a little a couple times where May had that a tiny bit. Um and some of the dialogue might not have helped that situation, but realistically as a whole though, like I can nitpick it all day sure but as a whole it's so enjoyable because it's that 90s camp (laughs) and it just fits well with the ova itself because this is the world this is what's going on it's like it takes place in chicago for god's sake so it's like it's like a western buddy cop film like the ova or the original manga probably took elements of like some westernized stuff and they might have use that to influence them that's what it kind of seems like to me and i think it works Mm -hmm. it works very well to me um again some nitpicks for me personally but like as a whole it's so much fun (laughs) it really is i didn't think i would enjoy it as much as i did uh megan what did you think so i really really enjoyed this (laughs) like it was a very surprisingly easy watch of a show yep um like you will get through this very fast. It is three episodes, so there's it no is three reason episodes. It's literally like watching a movie. Yes. Um, a very very dumb fun movie. Like <laughs> this this is an anime and a manga series that is very clearly a love letter to the '80s Hollywood buddy cop yep. phenomenon. Yep. Like I would not be surprised if like. Okay, I know that's not a buddy cop franchise, but literally, like, John McClane could just walk by in the background. It wouldn't feel out of place. <laughs> and everyone knows that I'm right. Merry Christmas, motherfuckers. yippee Kaye, motherfucker. yippee Kaye, motherfucker. Uh, okay, my dad insists on watching that movie on Christmas. No, funny story. When I was, um, when I was in Maine with my family... Um, the first night, my stepdad was trying to watch Die Hard, and my grandparents' house, they don't have, like, a huge cable package, so some channels they don't have. So every time he would find Die Hard and try to play it, the, the error message would pop up because they don't have the channel, he's like, shit. And then when we, when we went, when Andrew Rest and I- in piss. When Andrew and I went over the next day, in the morning- we saw my stepdad again, and he finally found a channel that had Die Hard playing. I'm like, you finally watching Die Hard? He's like, heck yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god. At that point, you just need to break down and buy the Blu-ray. I know. See, here's the thing. I think, like, FX was actually just playing it on loop all morning. Like, yeah. other channels were doing a Christmas story, and then that was theirs. Nice. Yeah, I mean, the only other downside about buying the Blu-ray is my grandmother doesn't have a Blu-ray player because she doesn't know how technology works. Oh, I see. 
She no. has a DVD player, and even then she doesn't freaking use it, but I love her anyway. I tried to rent Die Hard on Christmas Eve, and, and they told me that he had five copies, and they were all checked out. You need to reserve your copy ahead of time. Holy crap. Yeah. Anyways, Megan, uh, continue. Back to what I was saying. So, like, I understand that this is a dub that's 25 years old, and it does sound like that in some places. Uh, I thought the mix, actually, of the show held up pretty damn well for a 25-year-old show. That's something I do want to compliment. Like, the music wasn't overpowering any of the explosions. You could see the dialogue really clearly. I don't know if that's something that got touched up with the Blu-ray that I was watching, but it still sounded really good. I will admit that there are some voices that are very, like, a little too cartoony and over the top Mm -hmm. for, like, background characters. I think that the core cast of characters sound great. There's... I will also say that Minnie's voice does sometimes grate on my ears, um, but it's not a bad dub, but it is very much a dub that is a product of its time, but in the best way possible. Yep. It's not like, it's not like the old, like, DBZ or, or Pokemon or One Piece dubs where, it, like, they completely took out the soul of Gunsmith Cats and, like, tried to make gunsmith cats friendly where they where rally pulls water guns out and shoots people with grape juice thank god they didn't do that that would just ruin like the this fun. like there's a there's a fuck in there i heard it mm-hmm. <laughs> i know? heard the fuck i heard the singular fuck in there i, I might have um, heard shit in there too like there's rally says fuck um so yeah no but like i also think the dialogue is also like super funny at points uh, like, just everything that she calls Bill is, like, some of my favorite <laughs> shit in the whole show. Just 00711, you, you snake viper. Like, just, I, I thought it was really fun. I thought this is, like, if you're really wanting to find, like, the other side of the coin of, like, 90s dubs, where if you think that all 90s dubs are just, like, Pokemon and kidified, like, this is the good other side of the coin. May we direct your attention to Gutsmith Cats, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> please, please watch Gutsmith Cats. Yeah. Please, please do it. It's funny that you bring out the mixing for the show and how well that sounds, uh, like for the sound effects. Did you know in the creation of this show, they got an actual Shelby GT500 and recorded the engines and the tire noises from it? Where do you just go fucking get a Shelby GT500? Legit, they did that? Yes. No, they got oh the- Oh my god! Who does that? They got the actual guns that she used and recorded the, uh, the sound effects from them. Oh my god, they really, like- Holy shit. They want to. Kenichi. Okay, look. I just want to compliment the guy who created this because this man clearly loves a couple of things Hot Women, Chicago, and Guns and Shelby's. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's all that matters right now. This, right? Man ha- yeah. this man has an aesthetic and he just keeps to it. No, the, the crew went to Chicago to actually get an authentic Chicago experience. Oh my god, that's amazing. We're, we're, we're talking the Japanese crew, yeah, correct? Right. Okay. This yes. reminds me of like. Uh, it's a shame that we cannot cover the show because it's not legally streaming. It really reminds me of uh, Ryogo uh, Norita, who, if that name doesn't sound familiar, he's about to in about five seconds. Reminds me of why he of what he did for Bacano, where he oh, went to yeah. New York City and researched the shit out of it yep. so that he could make it feel authentic. Yep. Oh, yeah. But yeah, no, I have to agree with you. The, the sound effects alone and just the foley on it, they sound amazing. And uh, I actually want, went back and listened to the, the commentary with uh, with Matt Greenfield. And he says whenever they were recording an actor that they'd sometimes have them actually, you know, move around in the booth to try to duplicate what the character was doing. And um, 
and said they had them jump up and down sometimes if you land just right you could get this perfect little for when a character is like hitting the ground and stuff i mean that makes sense yeah i think for its time the amount of effort that they put into this even though it is dated even though um uh, some of the performances aren't that great just the level of love is, is definitely apparent there both in the direction and the writing it's a uh, good kind of dated mm-hmm. yeah now i this is my argument when everyone comes to pull out say hey all 90s dubs dubs before cowboy bebop sucked i'm like here's gunsmith cats watch this and it makes sense to watch it in english because it takes place in chicago and so if it had been something else uh i probably wouldn't be so endeared to it but because it is a collection Mm -hmm. of all the things as a whole that make up the gun gunsmith cats experience i think i it's my favorite dub ever in may in the 90s period it's practice one of my favorite dubs of all time if you can consider that got warts and all that's why that's why you've been like so gone like i want to talk about gunsmith kick this is my favorite show no trust us when the kickstarter started up and that happened hardy was like oh my god he was the most excited and giddy out of anyone for, for obvious reasons and he's like when this comes out we're doing a fucking episode of gunsmith cats i'm like all right yeah. <laughs> i won't fight you yeah. I love this show so much, I spent 150 bucks to get my name put up uh, when the Blu-ray loads. Yeah, he did. I found yeah. it. <laughs> I'm like, pointing, it me, it me. Lucky Beast voice. Oh, it me. You t- you two have your names on the uh, poster, though. Yes. Yes, we do. Mm-hmm. Very cool. So, in general, you know, it is a product of its time, but it is a good product of its time as far as it comes to It's dirt. a f- fun product of its time is what this is all right so with that let's move on to our first pair of characters we have uh some seedy uh business type Uh, asshole number one and asshole number two right right yeah these two are in cahoots to run a secret gun running campaign and and uh try to they're trying to ban the sale of guns so that they could sell their illegal guns for higher prices I mean, it's an interesting scheme, and I can see, like... It works. Financially and economically speaking, it could work. So we have Senator Edward Hates and the director of the ATF, George Black. Uh, Senator Hates is played by Aaron Crone. He was also in uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion as Kaiji, I believe. He was Misato's boyfriend. Okay. Ah, that guy. Yeah. The guy who Asuka keeps trying to ride the disco stick of. <laughs> this is going over my head because I haven't seen Evangelion. I have not seen Evangelion either. I know Evangelion mostly through memes. Right. <laughs> okay, and I've seen like two of the rebuild yes. films. And playing as George Black, we have the late great uh, Rick Peoples. He played as the chief in Burn Up and just uh, and Keel Lorenz in Evangelion. He was also in the dub for Corral Phantom Memory as Saito. Okay. So, uh, regarding these two performers, what did we think? <sighs> asshole 1 and Asshole 2. <laughs> <laughs> That's all it needs to be said. Asshole 1 and Asshole 2. No. Um, I mean, again, this is going to be a little bit of a dated... It's a... It's a it's a kind of your own flavor kind of deal where you where you'll enjoy it or you don't. Mm-hmm. Um, that's gonna be the theme of the 
entire dub in general, but I digress. Um, Aaron... <laughs> fucking seedy, seedy bastard. I mean, in all honesty, I didn't actually see the twist coming where the senator was involved until pretty late on when then it became extremely fucking obvious. It's like, oh, well, who was the last person they called? Oh, the senator's office. I'm like, oh, well, shit. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's definitely like, he, he puts on the political act very well. And then also like the double crossing and this fun stuff. I do like Rick though, as George. Because this is where my brain went to with that performance. And I can't remember the character's name offhand. Um... In the original Spider-Man films, what was the character's name who owned the Daily Bugle? Oh, J. Jonah Jameson. J. Jonah Jameson. Yeah. Do you mean do you mean Academy Award-winning actor? Oh, oh. J.K. Simmons. Yes. Yes. I was like, holy fuck, I forgot his name. He, like Rick Rick's performance of George kind of reminds me of that a little bit. We are farmers. Where he's kind of just like old school grouchy boss kind of deal <laughs> it makes a lot of sense to me and i got a kick out of it um but yeah his portrayal too was kind of just like there <laughs> and then he just fucking gets killed and he dies he, he did he very dead by by badass russian lady mm -hmm. um but yeah, it reminded me of J.K. Simmons' performance in that a little bit. I'm like, you know, this kind of works. <laughs> it actually kind of works for this character. Um, even though that the, the, the films were way after Gunsmith Cats. But it just, like, connecting the dots for me makes me wonder if <laughs> what is the weirdest of weird chances that J.K. Simmons actually watches, watched Gunsmith Cats and got inspiration from it. <laughs> That'd be the funniest shit in the world. Yeah. But um, yeah, both of these performances, I enjoyed Rick's a lot more because of that extra fun in camp. Aaron's was not as memorable to me, but I can appreciate the wonderful, like, sinister political aspect to it. <laughs> uh, Megan, what did you think? So I'll be real. I kind of forgot these two characters existed. Good job. <laughs> You, for you forgot old school J.K. Simmons? What? I didn't even get J.K. Simmons out of that. I That's just got, what like, I got. I got more like sleazy's 80 politician, which is exactly what the fucking show called for. So like, it was very much a performance that was like, yeah, this is happening. It's the sleazy politician voice. You know who he, speaking of Die Hard, he reminds me of that one FBI agent who's like trying to shoot John McClane off the roof. Oh my god. That's what his voice reminded me of, uh, Aaron Crones. Uh, George, uh, Rick as George is kind of very, like, the stock boss voice that I kind of hear as, like, a, as an uncredited person in, like, a modern dub. I'm not saying it's bad, but it fits its place into the, into the show where it needs to. It doesn't try to be, like, okay, he doesn't try to be the boss from fucking Copcraft. <laughs> who, I want to say it's played by Gabe Kunda. I think so. Yeah, that boss where he's like, damn it, damn it, Monta fuck, I don't remember Copcraft. Um, <laughs> no, no one remembers Copcraft. Um, but I do think that these two gentlemen do their job uh, well. They fit into the background great. Uh, so, yeah. Mm -hmm. 
I have to also make a, uh, a confession. These two also sort of just went to the background for me because really as a whole, the show itself only focuses on a grand total of five main characters that they give a lot of, uh, a lot of attention to. Um, but that having been said, I really like how Aaron Crone does this sort of, uh, someone listening might sound like he's reading off of a, of a teleprompter. And that kind of fits because he's, you know, a politician. He probably reads off tons of tele- yeah. tons of teleprompters. And he's just, he's got this uh, snooty high and mighty um, air about him. And he's just, just sleazy politician type that kisses babies for the camera and then uh, has... <laughs> and then tries to shoot half-naked Russian women. <laughs> yes. Okay, she was fully clothed, actually. Right. Mm. Well, I mean, he outright says he wants to he try to get rid of all the immigrants. So I'm like, yeah, he's not the best people. And uh, so, yeah, that, he I definitely enjoyed that. Uh, Rick Peoples is George Black, though. I, my best part for me was when he uh, he's he meets up with Radnoff at the safe house trying to uh, trying to leave the country and just hearing him get panicked and, and watch him just lose his crap after she turns the tables on him. Uh, Become my Russian waifu. Yes, before he gets a hit, before he gets one between the eyes. Um, I just liked hearing him just sort of have that breakdown, like "Oh crap!" It's like you gotta get me, you gotta get me out of the country. I can't stay here. And so that was really fun. Uh, I think, yeah, they did. They're background characters for sure, but I think these guys did a good job uh, playing these two sleaze balls. Such sleaze. Yes. Many balls. Yeah. And- <laughs> My balls! <laughs> hey, do you guys like balls? What? I love balls. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Hi, Justin. <laughs> so, so moving on to our villains from behind the scenes, we got a couple of uh, really nasty characters. One worse than the other significantly. We have Jonathan Washington, who... He's one of the uh, guys working under Haints and Black uh, in trying to run the, the gun running scheme. And then we also have Natasha Radinoff, who is a Russian assassin uh, who is sent out to carry out a few hits, including those of Washington and of Rally and May themselves. Uh, playing Jonathan Washington, we have Brett Weaver. You may have heard him in the dub originally for uh, Super Dimensional Fortress Macross as, uh, as uh, what is his name? Roy Fokker. <laughs> and he's also... Whoops. Yeah. And he is also the voice of uh, Tora in both the original Ushio Tora OVA and the recent TV uh, series. Uh, playing Natasha Radnoff is Marcy Ray. Uh, she originally played in shows such as Blue Seed, um, and she was also... Let's see if I can pull up something more recent for her. Uh, she hasn't been in a lot, but she was... Um, yeah, she was Sane in uh, in Diamond Daydreams, for anyone who remembers that. Anyways, uh, what did we think about... Um, let's see, Sniveling Coward and uh, Mother Russia. <laughs> Oh man. <laughs> yes, she is not fighting moose and squirrel this time. So, badass kick ass Russian wonder. 
and then all bark, no bite. Uh, <laughs> that's basically Jonathan Washington in a nutshell. He's all bark and no bite. Um, well, he tries to bite anyway, but it doesn't really work out for him very well. No, uh, not much. No, no, he's kind of dead now, so... He did. Oh, he, he, he did. Oh, he did. Took a knife <laughs> no. to the face. That's like a lot of people in this show. Oh, he did. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he did. Or the jo- Noah would fucking remember this. This damn joke if he was here. He used and he was only two days away from retirement. <laughs> like legit. Um, no, but Brett Weaver, he he's he he definitely had fun being the sleaze ball. Who um, likes his tits, mm-hmm. by the way. Yes. He, he likes his tits with a purpose, yeah. by the no, way. No, his, his favorite website, Hot Butts Net. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> with the one exposed... Uh, he's an ass man. <laughs> with the one exposed boob. And yes, there is nipple in that picture. Uh, <laughs> one whole nipple! Oh, man. Modern <laughs> anime, you cowards. <laughs> I mean, we already have... We already have in this dub Rally saying fuck, so that's this 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 dub is, and show is more ballsy than modern anime. One whole American nipple <laughs> and one whole American fuck. I'll buy that for a dollar. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> the, God damn it. We're living the American dream, boys. <laughs> um, God damn it. <laughs> no, but. Brett definitely has a lot of fun with this guy because he is sleazy and he is slimy in episode one and then episode two in the little little time that we see him. Like, he does a complete 180 in personality. He's like... To save his bacon. Save his ass. He's like, help me. He's, such, he's so whiny all of a sudden. Howdy ho, Kermit the Frog here <laughs> to say, help me. Help me. Help me, Riley Vincent. Help me, Riley. I need to find my daughter. What? <laughs> your non-existent daughter um no but it's definitely a lot of fun it's not only probably because it's very early on in the ova he's also one of the more forgettable characters for me um but who's not forgettable <laughs> oh boy oh my god oh marcy ray as natasha radanov oh boy <laughs> this bitch this fucking piece of work. Oh, Lord. She will kick your ass. <laughs> she will kick your ass. And just, oh, God. So Radinov is a Russian former KGB member who was turned assassin. So, of course, the question of if there's an accent involved. And by golly, there's a Russian accent involved. And then some... Admittedly, though, there were points because I don't I don't know if it's authentic or not. I'm not that good with accents or um, language and things like that. But I will say that there were times where I thought the accent was put on a little too thick. And there were points where it did become a tiny bit difficult to understand exactly what she was trying to say. Um, that's really the only flaw that and critique I would have of this performance is just that. Um, otherwise, she's a fucking badass. <laughs> oh, Lord. Here's the thing. In terms of badassery, Rally Vincent is one, but Natasha Radinoff is a number two. Solid. Like, you can't fucking tell me otherwise. Holy shit. <laughs> like, this 
bitch. <laughs> just will just storm a goddamn political rally and be like, fuck you, I'm gonna kill them. <laughs> like, the Tommy gun. With a Tommy gun. Okay, no, that's not a Tommy gun. That was like a, an Uzi. It's a pair of them. Oh, Lord. Like, double, double fisting them and shit. Like, oh my double God. Double Uzis all the way across the sky. <laughs> no, and she. She just doesn't give a damn. Like, she doesn't care. Like, she'll do what she's told for her job. However, oh, sweet baby Jesus. <laughs> she will just kick you so hard in the nads and not give a fuck and stab you and shoot you and just... She will torture you because she wanted to fucking torture Rally. At, on the roof in episode three, but Rally managed to escape because May is a bomb May, maniac. May's two brain cells rubbed together that day. <laughs> yes, May's two brain cells did rub together that day, and she had a smart moment. But um, oh my lord, Ugh, Natasha can probably kick my ass any day of the week. I don't fucking care. <laughs> <laughs> do you, is, Stephanie? Do you have a crush? <laughs> Not on Natasha. We'll come back to this. We might circle back to this do you later. Want, do you want Andrew to to talk to you in a Russian accent when you do that? No, Will that help? no, because I know he wouldn't do that very well to begin with. <laughs> like I wouldn't even be able to do that very well. Oh, <laughs> in Mother Russia, taco eat. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like. I mean, like, similar to probably Megan and Gigi and maybe some of the boys, I mean, if someone can kick my ass on occasion, like, I don't care. <laughs> Dub Talk's collective kink is getting her ass kicked. Yes, it really is. Oh, God. I want her to step on me. That's illegal. <laughs> <laughs> Aqua got norted. What? Aqua got norted. Okay, that sounds inappropriate. I inappropriate. I want her to step on me. That is definitely inappropriate. Aqua got norted. Okay. <laughs> Five dollars to anybody who knows what that is from. I wouldn't know. I'll send it to you, and you can understand. Okay. <laughs> Hardy Hardy would know the actor who did that. Oh man. Uh, maybe. Correction, they're in Radiant. Yes, you do know who did ah, it. I see. Um, overall, yes, I would say um, both performances are good. The, oh, Brett Weaver, only probably because it's very early on and then he did. Um, he kind of turns forgettable to me. Um, but yeah. Uh, Megan. Uh, so Brett Weaver sounds like a slimy little bastard <laughs> who is just very much trying to save the bacon he's got left. Uh, he has one American titty on his website. <laughs> um, I find it really weird because I'm also not super familiar with Brett Weaver or, um, or Marcy Ray. I thought Marcy Ray was in a show that I liked, but she's not. Um, that's a, also a really old ADV dub that we would 100% be covering if it was legally streaming. Um, whoops. But, uh, no, it's just, I thought he was fun. I thought he was a good side villain who who had his moment in the sun and then just kind of faded into the background. But let's talk about From Russia with Love. <laughs> um, and by love, I mean extreme hate. <laughs> extreme vengeance. Uh, I'd like to first point out that uh, our good our good buddy, uh, let me get her actual name again because I lost it and I'm bad at th it. Oh, wait, her name's Natasha. That's right. This is a, a tribute to the 80s. Of course her name's fucking Natasha. Yeah. 
that Natasha has a gun that is also a knife. Yep. Therefore, she is canonically a member of the Ruby universe. Uh. <laughs> I'm fucking seen, kidding. I'm fucking seen, kidding. I All I know is, I, Hardy, I know you hate Ruby. I know you don't like it, but I do have to point out the greatest conversation about it on one time, which comes from the Runaway Guys, where Emil just asks, why isn't somebody's power just murder? <laughs> And John's like, yeah, but you'd get arrested. But yeah, but your power could be to murder anybody you wanted. And that's what Natasha's power kind of is. Just murdering people. Um, you want to you wanna live? Fuck no. Uh, but no, seriously, how badass are you that you have a knife that is also a gun? Oh my god. <laughs> Fuck that one guy's like, a weapon like that's stupid. No, that's the coolest thing ever. She has a little like tiny pocket shit. Rocket pocket. <laughs> Shiv. She's a rocket pocket chip. However, as much as Marcy's performance is really entertaining, I would say by far that is the biggest thing that dates the stub. It is the it is an accent on the likes of like the one from Jacob Browning and Copcraft, but I think the one in Copcraft was more intentional. Uh, accent work has come a really long way in dubs. Yeah, that's true. Um, I've sat through enough shows like Yuri on Ice that had actually, despite what people think. Good Russian accents, as well as uh, a personal favorite movie of mine that I still don't know if Hardy has seen, and I need to bring it to A-Fest next time. Uh-oh. And I know Steph has seen this movie. Which one? Uh, Empire of Corpses has really good Russian yes, accent work in it. Yes, it does, actually. And everybody should watch Empire of Corpses at one point in their life, because it's the biggest, stupidest movie you'll ever watch. It's a fun stupid. It is my favorite dumb movie. Um, But... I think Marcy's performance is great, but let's be fair. Natasha kind of just growls ominously in Russian most of the time. She talks very little, in my opinion. She kind of does. She's pretty much. I think. I think Bill describes it best, where some she, she gets called the Terminator. Basically, yeah. Yeah, she did actually get called the Terminator. Yeah, except for Arnold is Aust- it's Austrian. Um. But no, I still really enjoyed it. I thought she was a really fun performance. Dated, yes. Dated, yes. Fun, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Also, be just every time she touches her ear, where Rally shot and like gets like, ah, it's really good. Like, bitch, you cut me. Yeah. How dare you make me bleed my own blood? Nobody makes me bleed my own blood. <laughs> a dodgeball reference. Oh my god. I love that movie. I don't care what anyone says. Dodgeball and under a true underdog story is a fucking piece of cinematic art. If you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. Should I drink my own pee? No, but I do it anyway because it's sterile and I like the taste. Oh my god. Damn it, Bernice! <laughs> Steph, have you never have you never seen Dodgeball before? No, actually I have. Whoa! <gasps> You've never seen Dodgeball? Man, there are a lot of movies I've never seen before. Oh, oh my god, that's such a good movie. By good, I mean awful, but it's like one of those movies that you have to see to be believed. So, so I'm gonna say this. On the weird chance that he decides to listen to this episode, Andrew, clearly what Megan is trying to tell you is that I need to watch Dodgeball. And while you're at it, sneak Zoolander in there too. The first one, not the second one. <laughs> oh my god. It's, okay. Dodgeball is okay. A, a weird t- tangent. Zoolander, the first Zoolander in Dodgeball, may be two of Ben Stiller's greatest performances. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, Lord! All right. <laughs> also, rest in peace, Rip Torn. All right, Rip. 
my opinion of these performances, uh, I've always held the belief that Brett Weaver has been one of the best, most consistently talented actors in all of anime dub history um, because he sounded just as good back in the 90s as he does today, uh, still doing work. And um, I think that Jonathan was like, I think it was his... It, he mentioned it on the commentary. It was his second performance for anime dub ever. Really? Eh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, and so I just love the fact that he has his cocky moments, but then when he everything starts crashing down, he just sort of like pussies out. And uh, getting to listen to him just, you know, uh, kind of lose the game right at the very end there. Uh, it's just a lot of fun. Let's talk about Natasha Radnoff. <laughs> Everyone's favorite character. Not even Marcy's performance of of Natasha Radnoff, which is I think is fine. I I agree with Megan is that it has Russian accent work has improved a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, just look at Ray Chase as uh, as what's his nuts. Ray Chase oh, as yes. Dostoevsky and Bungo. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, <laughs> can I just say that this one uh, minor antagonist? From this one three-episode OVA, amongst all of the great anime villains of years since the medium has existed, has always consistently been one of my favorite villains of all time. (laughs) She's insane! I'm not gonna lie, now having seen it, she's terrifying. Oh man, and I'm gonna be kind of weird saying this. I think she's kind of (laughs) hot. I mean, aesthetically... I mean, I can see why. I mean, yes. I can't, I can't kink shame you as the person who would go to the ends of the earth for Rinosuke Octagawa, who is kind of an evil, like trash gremlin. Mm-hmm. Such a trash gremlin. Slash, yeah. am very good friends with people who adore Gilgamesh from mm-hmm. Fate, and also find him kind of attractive at times. <laughs> okay, Caster, Caster Gill, not Archer Gill that looks like he picks up women at the oh abortion God. clinic. I just like girls with muscles. I want them to bench press me. <laughs> I mean, that's not that's not invalid. I'm with you there. Even though I think they mentioned this on the commentary, she cuts her hair to look like a cherry tomato. <laughs> oh, oh my god. god. <laughs> I didn't realize that. Oh shit. But no, I just no, I this character from this one three episode OVA, I just she is insane and I absolutely love her. And I think Marcy does play her just to the T. I uh, I can't think of anyone. I could probably come up with a few people who might be able to play her better, but but I think I, I I'm sold on Marcy's performance. I love this character. You know, bitch, press me, please. <laughs> please kick my ass. It's fine. All right. So moving on from my own personal kinks to uh... <laughs> look in this house, we do not kink shame each other. Only Jesus can kink shame us. All right, uh, bringing that old we... reference back. Right. We're moving on to three good characters. Um, two in law enforcement. One, uh, uh, kind of, sort of. We have Becky Farah, who is from the manga. She returns. Um, she is a info broker and. Um, one of Rally's uh, 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 best methods of getting info about the bounties that she collects. Um, she's constantly uh, getting in trouble with the, the other two, and she wants none of this, and she does not like Chinese or pizza. 
What a fucking monster. <laughs> no pizza, no Chinese. Right. Uh, we have Bill Collins, who is an investigator for the ATF. He's trying to get the break into the big uh, gun running um, thing. And uh, he tries to blackmail. Uh, actually, he does blackmail Rally and May into helping him because, surprise, surprise, they don't actually have a license for their guns. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Dun, dun, so. dun. And last but le not least, we have Roy Coleman, who is a he's a Chicago police detective, and he's the main contact for Rally with the force. He's able to get her off the hook in more than one occasion and uh, sort of plays a big role at the last episode, uh, making everything, the whole gun running thing go down. Uh, so, playing these characters, as Becky, we have Tiffany Grant, who you obviously know as the original voice of Asuka from Neon Genesis Evangelion. We have Gil Lund uh, playing Roy Coleman. Uh, you might have heard him as Kozu in Neon Genesis Evangelion. And last but not least, <laughs> Megan brought this up to me. Uh, we have Rob Mungle as Bill Collins, the guy who played the cat in the Ghost Stories dub. His name is Amanajaku. Thank you. <laughs> Has not seen Ghost Stories. The Q, Q, We're going to fix that too. Q Megan's anger and rage at me not singing Ghost Stories. I'm not even mad that you haven't seen that. I'm just surprised you haven't seen the fucking clips of it floating around the internet for the longest time. But man, Rob Bungle has some fucking great one-liners in that show, including um, <laughs> including his speech at the end of the entire show that is completely ad-libbed. Which is, I'd like to thank Stephen Foster for such a gay-friendly script. <laughs> like, I've actually looked up that scene in the Japanese, and it's just like this very sweet, serene ending with no dialogue. But when you watch it in the dub, Rob Mungle just comes in and makes a fucking Oscar speech. Oh my god, what? Yeah, I can't repeat some of the other things that he says because they are very, very much not safe for, uh... Safer podcast slash are incredibly offensive. Oh my god. <laughs> As is the majority of the ghost stories dub. Oh man, this is this sounds like a national treasure. I'd like to point out for bragging rights that I own the original ADV copy of Ghost oh, Stories. Wow. Oh my god, that is signed by the only two people of the principal cast that I am still actually missing to this day are Rob Mungle and Christine Otten. I have all the other kids. Oh, wow. <laughs> I just got Hillary this last year, and it was great. Oh yeah, you brought it with you for um. Anime I was like, I'm getting this signed! Please don't judge me! She signed my Razafon. Um, <laughs> oh, man. Where do we start with these three? <sighs> Roy Coleman. I'll start with Gil. Um, he's... <laughs> he doesn't take shit from anyone. <laughs> That's for goddamn sure. Like... Even though he doesn't have entirely a lot to do with what he's given, Gil is just fun as this cop that just doesn't take anybody's shit. It's like, Chicago PD, you're under arrest! He's like, fuck you, man! It's like, you, you ain't getting away with shit! <laughs> and it's actually a lot of fun and I really enjoy it. Um, Rob Mungle is Bill Collins. <laughs> There's a different show that I know Rob Mungle for and I feel like I need to find it. And it does not sound like the same thing <laughs> at all. Um, it's um, it's a Sentai show from recent years. Oh, that's right, because Rob, st Rob still does anime. Hold on. 
Hardy, did you you didn't mention Pedro, did you? No. Excel Saga. Oh. Well, um, let me tell you about fucking <laughs> Excel Saga. Uh, no, but there was something else. But th it does not sound like fucking Rob Mungo. Was it Parasite actually? It was Parasite. Is um Izumi's dad. Mm. That's what I remember her remember him as. <laughs> And I'm just like, wait, this is not Rob Mungle. Rob Mungle had a lower voice. What is wrong with this? And then it's just like, okay, <laughs> this works. Because the thing with, with Bill Collins, <laughs> Bill Collins is a fucking shithead, <laughs> but I love him. <laughs> like Bill Collins is a sneaky, slimy little shithead who does mean well. <laughs> But nobody fucking likes him. And it's actually kind of great how Rob Mungle portrays it. He's just like, aw, but kitten. It's like, fuck you, asshole. Pussycat. Pussycat, no. And he'll just, like, get the fuck, just shut the fuck up. No, my, my reaction, my the best ever, was his introduction in episode one. And as he's leaving, just in the back, like, both Rally and May are just flipping him off. Like, legit, no sense or nothing. They just flipped him the fuck off. It was great. And that just sums up Rob Mungle as Bill Collins in a nutshell. He's a fucking sneaky asshole. <laughs> and it's fun. <laughs> he can also... He, he, he is kind of also similar, in a way, to Jonathan Washington. And where he can sometimes be all bark and no bite. Sometimes. Because he does have his moments where he's like, Borelli! Wait, Rally! Oh no! And it's like, oh no. Rally Senpai noticed me. <laughs> Rally Senpai noticed me. Um, no, but it's so much fucking fun. Like, Bill Collins is a character that you actually kind of love to hate, if that makes sense. Because, <laughs> because while he means well, how he goes about doing what he's doing to accomplish this case is very sneaky. And very like, what the fuck? You would think he's a dirty cop. That he would be the dirty cop in the situation. And I guess to an extent, the OVA like at times would try and point him to be a dirty cop. Um, given the situation. Granted, the obvious one is when fucking Natasha busts into the safe house using a card that's attached to his name. But obviously that's to frame him instead. Um, uh, and then we have... Tiffany Grant playing apparently me in this show because <laughs> apparently I'm she is Becky is just Steph hello my name is Becky uh I un I unlike the actual Becky do like pizza and Chinese food so fuck you <laughs> um but so here's the thing with, with Tiffany there can be times where the performance is grating on the ears I don't know if it is because of Tiffany's natural register or vocal tone, because this isn't the first time where I've run into a Tiffany Grant performance where it's a bit 50-50 for me. In the case of Becky, though, it actually does kind of work in her favor. Because Becky is just a bit whiny, but at the same time, she's probably more grounded out of the three ladies, where she's just like, what the? She's like, what are you doing? Are you serious? You're gonna get yourselves in trouble. 
And and then just like, no, May, you stay in the car. Why are you going like this? She's like, I, and she just wants none of it. <laughs> she wants none of it. Like, I think the best part of what sums up her character and Tiffany's performance is um, when they're talking about going to the rally for the senator. Mm-hmm. And uh, Tiffany's just like, yeah, you have fun with that. If I were seen on camera, it'd be bad for business. <laughs> And I just enjoyed that delivery because she's just so casual about it. It's like, I ain't getting involved with your shit. You're on your own. Bye-bye, bitches. You're on your own, bitches. Like, Tiffany can be hit or miss sometimes depending on the show and the role. But And I think part of it has to do with her natural register. And I hate saying that because she's phenomenal. Um, she's a phenomenal actress. It's just, I think you have to give her the right role for it to work. And in this case with Becky, I think it actually really does work. It works rather nicely. With her, like, give no fucks kind of attitude. And like, I, you involve, you aren't involving me in shit. Oh my god, Becky is like me. <laughs> <laughs> I am totally Becky. Fuck. <laughs> but yeah, these three performances are a lot of fun. For sure. I enjoyed them a lot. Megan. Okay, so I guess I'll start with, um, sorry. Who plays Mr. Chicago PD? Uh, Gil Lund. God, that sounds like the name of a fucking 80s villain. Gil Lund, you have one of the best names in the business. Um, uh, I like Chicago, Mr. Chicago PD. Uh, really surprised he wasn't voice acted by Dick Wolf, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> dun dun. Uh, I think he does a great job. I like how he sounds kind of like Rowley and Minnie's dad. He certainly acts like it. He definitely acts like it. Girls, did you blow up a bridge again? No, Dad. <laughs> we didn't do uh, anything. I thought he was. I thought he was great. I thought he took charge. Um. Tiffany Grant is actually an actress that I I know a surprising like I've watched a surprising amount of her and shit. Um, most specifically, we all we all did Surrey Tama. She was she was the sister in Surrey Tama. Um, yeah, she's very much not like Becky. No, uh, I think she really does play Becky great. I think Becky is really entertaining. I think that she kind of has the nerdier voice out of the three of them. Uh, she is clearly the brains of the operation. Rowley is certainly the brawn, and Minnie May is here to have fun. Um, <laughs> Minnie just May just wants to have fun. It's fine. Minnie Minnie May has one brain cell, and it's all focused on C four. Um, <laughs> uh, I I really like Tiffany's performance. I thought that she really leaned well into it. I really love her delivery of no pizza, no Chinese. Mm-hmm. To which you fucking monster, they're delicious. Um, well, to be fair, they do have it all the fucking time, so I can let the, the Rally Vincent's a grown ass woman. If that bitch wants to eat Chinese food in her undies, let her. Well, I mean, that's a good, that's a life goal right there. Look here, Becky is also a grown ass woman, and she has her needs, and she doesn't want to eat Chinese and pizza all the fucking time, which I can understand. I relate to this. Becky's a fucking nerd and needs to get over it. Fuck, um, fuck you, May. I really, I really enjoyed her performance, but I want to talk about the fact that I had no idea that that was Rob Mungle the entire time because my frame of voice, my frame of reference for Rob Mungle literally is just a Monojaku from Ghost Stories. Oh my god. It is literally just that cat who sounds very sarcastic and very evil. And I would like to read one of Amanajaku's best lines in the entirety of, uh, of Ghost Stories because it is on TV tropes and I can remember it, which is, but then... If everything was already reversed, then what would be the real world? Would it be the mirror world or this one? Maybe the reflections we see are re- is real. Ever thought of that? Isn't that just freaking you out? I mean, seriously. Isn't that just whack crap? I'm playing with your mind, man. And you know what the weird part is? I'm not even high. Not a <laughs> bit. Totally sober. 
Oh, Lord. I Ghostories is a fucking trip, by the way. Again, clearly, you've been trying to get me to watch it for fucking years. One of my one of my actual favorite lines is is you can fuck with my friends, you can fuck with my family, but don't fuck with my cat. <laughs> um, but no, Rob is great in this. He is a he is a sleazy, slimy little whiny bitch of a man who can't get it up without Rally Vincent helping him out. Um, I think he's a ton of fun. I think that he really brings a lot of personality to the performance. He is probably my second favorite performance in the show behind Rally for Rally herself. He was the right balance off of Rally. Rally's done with his shit. Uh, but he was also courageous at points, like in the in the house that gets blown up with his one friend where he's got the grenade in his hand, he puts the pin back in. Um, and I think he has his moments to shine, and Rob really gets that across. He sounds like Rob Mungle makes him sound like he's walked out of like a buddy cop movie in the best way possible. So that's what I have to say. Uh yeah. Um Roy didn't really stand out to me as much because I kind of forgot that he played as big of a role in the third episode as he did. Yeah, originally we were going to talk about him and then you rewatched the show too. Mm-hmm. And you're like, wait. <laughs> yeah. No, Roy is actually from the manga, so he's a pretty big character. It makes sense because he definitely seems very familiar with the with the girls. So Right. And I like how he plays sort of this, you know, you know, dad that's a good good uh comparison that he's sort of like rally and may's dad and that he's kind of letting them slide because a lot of the things they do aren't exactly legal but he lets them do it because he knows that they're doing it out of sincerity um he's kind of like he's not a bad cop but he's a good cop who just lets them bend the rules a bit yeah yeah because technically um we're getting to the girls' ages. They should not be doing anything of what they're doing. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> no. But anyways, I, I did like his performance in the in the last episode. Um, and I kind of wish he had more of a presence throughout the rest of the show. Wasn't he on vacation for like the first two episodes in Hawaii? Yes, he was, wife? actually. He was a, yeah, I came back from Hawaii. He's like, what is this cheap crap? What does he think we are? Japanese Japanese tourists? tourists? Yep. <laughs> it was great. Yeah. And he brought that, like, a fucking tiki candle and some chocolates or some shit. Macadamia nuts. Mm-hmm. That's what it was. Macadamia nuts and, like, a tiki-looking candle. Mm-hmm. They were just like, what the fuck, Coleman? Uh, another character who's also in the manga is Becky. She, uh, she has a much bigger presence here in the OVA than she does in the manga. But, um... Like you said, uh, I watched the the commentary with Tiffany in the episode one, and she pointed out some of her favorite lines where, I'm not involved in any of this. And of course, the no pizza, no Chinese. (laughs) And what she mentioned in the commentary is that originally that line was flipped. It was supposed to be no Chinese and no pizza, and it didn't have nearly the same point to it. So they went Ah, back and and it worked. And she said that she was at a convention where they were having a screening of Gunsmith Cats, and she just happened to walk in at that one moment, and with everyone watching, she said out loud, no pizza, no Chinese. Oh my God. And she waited just long enough for everyone to turn around over their shoulder, and then she ran off. Before they realized, like, oh shit. (laughs) Tiffany out. (laughs) Tiffany's on the run. Yeah. Gotta catch her. That's funny. Yeah. But I love Tiffany as Becky. Um, 
I do think she can get a bit grating at times, like the, during the car chase scene. By the way, how epic is that car chase scene? Oh my god. Okay, that car chase scene is like fucking amazing, by the way. Again, we're back to 90s camp here, all right, ladies and gentlemen? Yeah. I watched Bennett's commentary, and uh, I have to agree with him. It's the single most greatest anime car chase scene ever made. And there have been other good chase scenes, but this, this I think, is absolute the best. It's like, mwah, chef kiss. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, um, she can be irritating, but I do think she she fits Becky really well and her her sort of personality. And, and I like how she's not involved in any of this and wants none of it. And like, you know, you girls go off and do your own thing, get yourself killed, leave me out of it. I don't play that game. Right. And, and it's also another redhead for Tiffany to play, so. Oh my god, well, she that's has right. a penchant for doing. Yeah, <laughs> she has a penchant for doing a lot of those. Let's talk about Bill Collins, aka Agent 00711. <laughs> the best nickname. Oh god. Yeah. Uh, to describe his character, I believe Rally says it best. I'd rather tongue kiss a snake. Yep, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. That was memorable. So he's. He is not a dirty cop. He's just, he's not above doing dirty things to get results for for the greater good. Um, and he's kind of a, kind of a sexist, kind of a slob. He is. Yeah. Very. But. This is very much a 90s show. Very much, yeah. The way he treats his female co-worker, that's kind of bordering sexual harassment. Just, just a bit. Um, a little bit, yeah. Um, but he does have his moments because he saves Rally's life twice in the series of the show. Um, at the very end, in fact, mm-hmm. we have to remember that. But uh, I love the the line readings that Rob does of, "Oh, it'd be shame if we had to shut down all these illegal weapons." Womp, womp. Yeah, womp. no, he is terribly endearing for such a slob that he is, but he comes through when he needs to, and I just think Rob does a great job. This is one of my favorite performances from him, and this was like only, this is one of his first, if I remember. It's very interesting that this is one of his first performances that he's ever done. Here's a fun fact. Um, how Minnie Mae's voice actors got into anime. She went with Rob to church. What? Yeah. <laughs> That's how she knows him. You're shitting me. I'm not I'm not joking at all. Oh my god. That is like the single most Texas thing I think I've heard yeah. in a while. Yeah. They met at church and uh, That's amazing. And uh, he's like they were looking for for actresses. He's like, "Hey, my friend's little sister, she's an actress with the hand quotes." <laughs> and so, yeah, he got her he got her into uh, into work, uh, which is funny because the actress who plays Rally, um, she mentions in their commentary that his stand-up is incredibly vulgar. In fact, one of his jokes involves effing a goat in the A. <laughs> <laughs> and so she oh was just God. she was just blown away by the fact that they knew each other oh from my church. God. That's funny. Yeah. So kudos to uh, to Rob Mungo. Check out his stand-up. Check out the Whiskey Brothers if you get a chance. Oh my god. <laughs> Well, anyways, let's uh, let's move on to the titular gunsmith cats themselves. Um, we have Irene Vincent, aka Rally. Hell yeah! Actually, actually, it's supposed to be Larry. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, according to um, the uh, records that um, 
Radinov got. Yeah, yeah. You could see it's actually Larry. Right, yeah. No, it's just a name that she chose for herself because they wouldn't take her seriously under her real name for bounty contracts. So she uh, she changed her name to Larry Vincent. The U.S. The official U.S. translation mistranslated it because the there are no L's and R's or differences between L's and R's in Japanese. And so she's been Rally Vincent in America ever since. And this has been approved by Kenichi Sonoda, but he still insists that it's Larry Vincent. Uh, she is a half Indian, half English uh, uh, girl, hence her darker skin and light blue eyes. Uh, she runs the Gunsmith Cats uh, gun shop after her father moved to hunt down his uh, her mother's murderers. And she also runs bounty contracts on the side to earn a little extra cash. We're learning a little bit more about Raleigh that I didn't even know about. <laughs> uh, you're out, you're talking to me, the Gunsmith Cats super fan. I know a little I'm bit. I'm aware of that, but I'm just like, wait. <laughs> yeah. She drives a Shelby GT500, and her preferred uh, handgun of choice is a CZ50, which is a Czechoslovakian model, known for its uh, ease of use and... Uh, and overall um, durability. Basically, she's a gun nut. Accurate. Yeah. And her partner is May Hopkins, also known as Minnie May. We're not going to go into her backstory. Don't. Just don't. All you need to know is that she's an explosive expert, and she loves blowing things up, and she gets a rush every time she makes something explode. So, playing these two lovely young girls. As Rally, we have Amanda Winley who you no doubt know as the original voice of Rei Ayanami from, again, Neon Genesis Evangelion. She was also in Read or Die as uh, Miss Deep and uh, Yukiko. She's the voice of Yukiko in Persona 4. Um, as for Minnie Mae Hopkins, we have Kimberly Yates. Uh, she was also in Read or Die as Yomiko Reedman, and she's also been in several early ADV dubs, such as Burn Up W and Burn Up Excess. So, what did we think of the gunsmith cats themselves? Ah, uh, and y'all think I had a crush on Natasha Radinov, right? <laughs> Everybody's gay for Rally Vincent. Everybody's gay for Rally. Well, Hardy's not gay for Rally Vincent. He just fucking loves Rally Vincent. Mm. <laughs> like, straight up. He's a hetero for Rally Vincent. There it is. <laughs> oh, God. I'm actually going to start with Kimberly Yates. Um, because here's my thing with Kimberly Yates. It is one of the performances that can, at points, get a little bit grating at times. And I think part of it is because the dub is so dated, it doesn't really stick as well as um, some of the other performances after, like, 25 years. However, um, May is such a little gremlin. <laughs> you can't help but fucking love her. <laughs> like... She's very, she's sweet, and she's kind of kind, but she's also a fucking bomb nut. <laughs> like, I got this rally, I got this rally. No, May, stay in the car. <laughs> it's like, but rally, no, <laughs> stay. <laughs> like, she's a woman, but also is a fucking little kid. <laughs> like, cause she's just like, I got this. I'm gonna throw this and a smoke grenade and a flash grenade and just like, go. <laughs> And it's so fucking silly and adorable. And I think it just comes out in Kimberly's performance. It's just that there are points where it can be a little bit grating. And um, 
And the fact that this is a 25-year-old dub didn't do it uh, any services, I think. But it's still a lot of stupid fun. And then you have Amanda Winley as Rally Vincent, who's a very, she's a tough girl. She's very sassy. Fucking sassy. Was she the one who did the 007-11 line? Yes. Okay. I thought so. I was like, it definitely wasn't me. Um, she has a lot of bite to her. And I really love Amanda's take on it because she's just so, oh, she's so tough and she's so sassy and she's just like, I'm doing things my way. This is how this shit goes. It's my way or the highway. Even though fucking Bill Collins is just like, nope, I'm jumping in. It's like, you asshole. And um, I definitely think <laughs> Amanda is probably one of my favorite performances of the entire OVA. But the biggest thing, and I think this is why this works so well, is the banter and the back and forth between Rally and May. <laughs> because Amanda and Kimberly are just so much fun, just seeing them on screen together and just going back and forth in their interactions. And I think that's what's the strongest part of this whole dub is their interactions, their witty banter, their back and forth, and their joking around, and their arguments, and their teamwork, and everything. Like, with this being the crux of it the core of the ova is these two female performances i think they handled that very 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 well it would be hard to have one without the other you can try but it just wouldn't be the same it wouldn't be as effective and it wouldn't have that buddy cop feel that we've been talking about quite a bit today um without having that partnership and just the fun moments back and forth like May, what are you doing? I wanted to help you, Rally. May, go back to bed. She's like, oh. She's like, Rally, there's smoke grenades. Go back to bed. I've told you, we can't. We, we're not sending off explosives in the house. Shh. Fine. <laughs> but mom, now what am I going to do with all this C4? <laughs> like, it's great. I mean, this is the best part of the dub is this back and forth and this banter. And you, again, you can't have one without the other. Um, despite my gripes about how May is portrayed um, in terms of vocal tone, it's still so much fun. And this is what 90s camp personified buddy cop, this is what this is all about, is these two women not giving a shit and they're having fun. Like, this is great. <laughs> but um, definitely, between the two of them, Amanda Winley is my favorite. Megan. Um, I definitely really also do have some problems with Kimberly as as Minnie. She sounds a little stilted sometimes. She sounds a little a little too um too fresh. Like I don't know if it's, if it's nerves or just inexperience. Uh, is sometimes it takes me out of it, but it is greatly outweighed by her banter with Amanda Winley, who is fucking perfect as Rally Vincent. <laughs> um. I, I very rarely use perfection as this, but, like, I cannot hear Rally Vincent being played by another person in my life. Uh, it's probably up there in the tier with uh, Lucian and, and Jameson as Waver and Ryder for me. And if you know me, that's a very high standard. Like, there are, like, things that I will never unhear, and it's like, they're, the two of them are up there, and, and Tiffany as Rally's up there for me. Oh, man. She absolutely made my made my day as this performance and i don't it's, a man, it's amanda's rally you said tiffany oops shit sorry my bad sorry amanda uh but amanda as as rally is so fucking perfect she sounds like she has been rally vincent her whole goddamn life 
Um, just Rally's banter, Rally's exasperation um, against Minnie Mae's. Minnie Mae is really fucking stupid. <laughs> Again, she had the one day where her two brain cells rubbed together. I love her though. She's a gr- I love Minnie She's Mae. A Minnie Mae's adorable. She's a gremlin Minnie Mae is my favorite type of character. Like, Minnie is probably my actual favorite character in the series because she's literally just me. With bombs. <laughs> To which, Hardy's probably been wanting me to watch this show for a long time because Megan is literally just Minnie-Mae when we hang out. is It's true. Yep. Like, I'd like to point out that there was a time that when, when we were hanging out with Hardy and stuff that I think I just tackled Andrew for no reason. <laughs> Accurate. I also tackled Jet to make him watch Italia. To, f- ah. to fake watch Italia. I, we actually Italia. I pinned him. Italia. I pinned him to a bed. I pinned yeah. him down. I was just sitting there on the bed that she had went and pinned him Steph's on. Steph's just, just losing her I'm shit losing laughing. <laughs> I'm sad I never got that. Uh, did I ever get that video? I don't think I did. We never got it on video because it was like pitch black in the room. We were just trying to watch stuff on TV. Yeah. Um, but no, I love them. And I think the thing I like about Rally the most is that she... She is 100% the straight man, Mm -hmm. but she's also really snarky and that comes out in Amanda's performance. And I really, really, really enjoyed it. And I think that a lot of my my enjoyment of Gunsmith Cats especially comes from Amanda's performance and a lot from from Kimberly. Uh, Kimberly's performance is is very flawed, but I'm also a person who genuinely likes really flawed dubs sometimes because, hey... Like, let's be real. Like, Justin Briner didn't become Deku overnight. Yep. These guys have to learn and have done awkward performances and stuff. And I mean, like, hello, I'm the person who, like, really likes weird performances and shit. So, uh, that being said, Hardy, the floor is yours. Please talk about the love of your life. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I do have to agree between the two of them that Kimberly's is the probably the what I, I hate to use the word weaker performance. But it's mainly due to, I think this was like her third or fourth dub ever. And she had previously only done like little kids and and stuff like that. This was a role she actually got to act out on. And what she mentions in the commentary is that the directors told her, don't be afraid to be loud. Just be as loud as you need to. And just listening to her on on the commentary it's not the strongest performance but it works um and she had such passion about it and such uh fond memories of being involved in this that yeah listening to it now it's definitely a 25 year old dub and she does have some flaws in her performance but honestly i wouldn't have it any other way i honestly want she is Minnie may uh hopkins for me and um, if they do end up dubbing that new Bean Bandit feature with both Rally and May in it, I really hope that they get her to come back by any means necessary to, to be May again. Because it's just the way she says certain things like, the exit is over here. That's just, that's May Hopkins for me. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. the most of the time she's staying at the top of the stairs, seething, just with this huge gremlin grin on her face, just holding these <laughs> oh bombs. Oh my god. She's like, <laughs> she's like maniacal. And then Rally's like, no! May, go to bed! She's but like, Rally, there's smoke grenades! <laughs> she's such a gremlin! Yeah, I, I, I know the performance isn't perfect, but I think 
I wouldn't have it any other way. It's it's it works for the time period, and I, I think she personifies the character. Oh, let's talk about Rally Vincent. Oh, the love of his life. Oh, the one scene that cemented it for me, and I think you know what I'm talking about, is when the burglars break into her house. <laughs> Rally gets uh, the alarm. She pulls her gun out, walks down the stairs in her underwear. <laughs> Doesn't give a shit. Yeah, Fuck that shit. The one scene where she's got her her arm crossed over one way to where she's covering her mouth, all you can see is her one eye. And she's got her other hand crossed over on the light switch. Mm-hmm. That is, in my opinion, the single greatest fan service shot ever. And I'm like... I'm like, I love you, Rally Vincent. And she proceeds to gun down three burglars in her lingerie. And I'm just like, this is it. I'm an anime fan now. <laughs> and just, yeah, everything about Rally Vincent. She drives a souped up sports car. She owns guns. She knows how to use them. She's responsible with them, too. That's another thing. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Amanda mentioned on the on the commentary that Rally Vincent says be safe with your gums you dumbass. Right, exactly. Yep. Yeah. Uh she said uh, because Amanda is very, you know, pro gun control. Um a lot of fans have come up to her and say, "But Rally wouldn't like this. Rally wouldn't like this." You know what else Rally wouldn't like? Dead children. Yep. I'm like, "Damn, that just wow." Yeah. That uh that hit me. And so, yes, um I love this character obviously. Uh, but I love the performance so much, and this is my absolute favorite Amanda Winley role, but uh, there are other roles from her that I have just absolutely adored, like in Burn Up, and uh, and just Ryo Kinazawa in Burn Up Excess is just a nasty little gremlin working for the police force, and I absolutely adore her. Um, but yeah, no, just, oh, I love this performance, I love this character so much. It is absolute perfection to me, and it's one of the reasons why um, I am unabashedly um, unashamed to say that Amanda Winley is one of my favorite voice actresses ever. Hell yeah! And that those are big words, big words. So, and and you mentioned the banter off between them when you have all three of them. Um, yeah, with with Becky too. Yeah. yeah, and they mentioned this on the commentary too that. Uh, for a while there for ADV, they were sort of like the Charlie's Angels of anime. Oh my god, that's yeah. funny. Yeah, because they would cast them, those three, in like the three main roles, along with Alice and Keith as well, who makes a brief appearance in this. And um, yeah, it's just, it's sort of like a time capsule for that time period, going back, listening to those dubs and hearing these three actresses um, interact with one another. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. I can I can tell. And so, yes, that is that is what I feel for the love of my life, Rally Vincent, who sadly I will never have because she's not interested in relationships and she's she's got the She's got a relationship between her and her business. And her guns. She loves And her guns. Yes. That's all that matters. Mm-hmm. So anyways, um final thoughts. Stephanie, why don't you uh tell us what you think about Gunsmith Cats as a whole. Well, in case you ignored what I was saying in the first segment. Um, so, Gunsmith Cats as a whole. It's 25 years old. The dub is kind of dated from a technical standpoint to an extent. 
However, if you go in just thinking that, you're dumb. Because that's that's part of the charm for this dub, honestly. Um, the show itself pays homage to, like, 80s, 90s buddy cop films in the West, and it does pull a lot of inspiration from that, too. So, a dub like this makes so much sense to have that campiness and the cheesiness and just making it sound as part of that part of that generation, part of that time frame. So, yes, it may not be as good as some of the modern dubs we have today, not by a long shot. But given the time period that it's from, given the circumstances of the show itself, it's just so much fun. <laughs> it's a fun, underrated, hidden little gem. I love it so much. <laughs> I mean, like, here's the thing. And I will admit this to you, Hardy, because I've never said this to you. There were points that whenever you went off about Gunsmith Cats, I would be mildly annoyed because I didn't understand. Uh, now I understand. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm sitting here and I'm like, you know, <laughs> I'm sorry for thinking that way because now I get it. Now I understand what what the appeal for this show is and how f stupid and fun it is. Like, you have some fantastic performances from a bunch of actors that are just straight old school ADV and you just uh, that you don't see to this capacity anymore and it's a real shame because they're so much fun <laughs> like again it's a I think it's a, what it comes down to is unfortunately like a generational thing right where you have the real old school anime fans like Hardy you have that middle ground which would be kind of where Megan and I are at because we do love the old school and we do love the modern too. And then, not saying Hardy doesn't love modern shows too. He does, I'm just saying. Mm -hmm. um, and then probably some of the newer, younger anime fans um, that really enjoy the more modern shows. But may when they go to something like Gunsmith Cats, it's not what they're used to. So either they're going to find it to be a really underrated hidden gem. Or they're just going to downright hate it and say it's a terrible dub. And the show is just god-awful um so i think what it comes down to is a generational thing unfortunately um but from my experience with this it's a fun show it's campy it, it does remind you of those 80s american buddy cop films that's what it really reminds me of and it works so well and it, the dub is just too much fun to ignore so now that it's back in print for those who have all who've been curious about it, but haven't gotten the chance to see it because it was out of print, or for those listening who have never heard of it before, go fucking see it. Do yourself a favor, go see it. Just do it. It's it's three episodes. It doesn't take long, um, and it's worth every second. <laughs> in all honesty. Uh, Megan. I really, really enjoyed the dub of the show. I thought it was a really fun ride. As somebody who does like older media, like everyone tends to forget, Megan has has a degree in humanities and cultural studies that focuses in the film. She's probably seen stuff older than most of your grandparents. This is true. Unlikely. Like this is a, this is a thing that everyone tends to forget about me. Um, Surprise. So I I enjoy stuff like this. I I thought this was a lot of fun to watch. I thought the dub, while being a little dated and being a product of its time. Uh, is a really enjoyable listen to. And I feel really bad that there are some younger anime fans out there who would immediately dismiss the show as 
being bad because it's before like the early 2000s and again it's a generational thing and that's what kind of sucks and that really sucks because I honestly think that this three episode OVA was better than some shows of the same genre that I watched this year mm-hmm. Copcraft um <laughs> like I I enjoyed doing the episode of that but but it wasn't the best show in the world um and there are just other shows that are just kind of really forgettable and I think that another really big reason that I enjoyed this show is I really do enjoy the original creative team in Japan, uh, Kenichi Sonata and everybody. The the details on this mm-hmm. of uh, this in this in many ways reminds me of why I genuinely really enjoy the dub of Bakano. Yeah. Where it's very clear that on the Japanese end in the original creation that Bakano was a passion project. And then when that passion project came to the States, um, they put a lot of time and effort into it. I I know that Cartoon Cypher has a really good interview with Tyler Walker on it. Um, so if, go check that out. But like, I hate to, I'm using that as an example for more modern fans because Bakuno for a really long time was a lot easier to watch than Gunsmith Cats was. Mm-hmm. And it's a really big shame that thanks to Aniplex that that show has been out of print for like four years now. Yeah, it's, it's, it sucks. That's that's why that's why we also tell you if you ever see a fucking copy of Bakuno at a really good price, just go buy, buy it. it. <laughs> I don't care if you've never seen it, just blind buy it. Do it. Trust me. It'll be the best decision of your life. But like, I think I remember watching the commentaries for that. Like, didn't Tyler Walker spend like eight days doing auditions for that show? I don't remember. It's been forever. I haven't watched the commentaries, but it sounds about right. I need to go back and watch the commentaries. My copy of with Jacuzzi's face is just staring me right down. But I <laughs> remember. I remember that he watched like a bunch of old gangster movies and then spent a lot of time doing the original casting for that. And I and the bigger point I'm making to bring it back to Gunsmith Cats is this uh, even all these years later because I didn't get to watch the commentaries for this. It feels like that this dub is a 25 year labor of love, and obviously it made its Kickstarter goal and I think it surpassed it rather quickly uh, within far- four hours. Yeah. yeah. So, like, this is very clearly a series that is loved by people. Absolutely. And the fact that it is now back in print, and I hope that in some way... Is it available just to buy now? Yes, yes. Okay, cool. So you can just go buy it. It is a bit on the pricey side, but that's because, you know, Animego has to eat. Yeah, feed Animego. They do great jobs. I mean, mean, because I have the standard Blu-ray edition, too. That's the reward I went up to. I didn't go to the premium set like Hardy did. Um, Even then, like... It was a really, it's a really nice set. It is. It has some really nice for like. Sir, I think I paid like thirty dollars for that thing, and it's and it's really nice. Yeah, it is. It has like a couple documentaries. It has commentaries. It has a couple of extras, like some of the original art and everything like that. And it's like, holy shit, it's really nice. Yeah, no, it's they did a really good job on this, and I, I, this is a labor of love, and this is put out by people who worked on it twenty five years ago with love, and re put out. 25 years later with love. So. Yeah, because both Amanda Winley and Kimberly Yates were very heavily involved during the Kickstarter campaign, too. I think Kimberly Yates... Per- I'll let Hardy tell that story. So, Hardy, go ahead. Oh, yeah. Uh, Kimberly Yates uh, name-called me on Twitter, thanking me... Multiple times! Yes, thanking me... No, in a video, too. Uh, thanking me for helping her get involved with the project. And, and it was like, oh, wow, I feel... I, I kind of cried a little... We yeah, were, you were so happy when we saw that that day. Because we had just finished recording an episode, and yeah, and we were turning our things off, and and I check on Twitter, and I'm like, oh my god, look at this! What episode were we doing that day? I can't remember. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. But yeah, either no, way, it's, that yeah. was still awesome mm-hmm. though. Mm-hmm. Um, 
honestly, I'm just going to tell you to go buy it. Uh, I, I'm the biggest mm -hmm. Gunsmith Cats fan. Fucking do it, you nerds. I'm the biggest Gunsmith Cats fan you'll probably ever find. Um, I own all four omnibus of the original manga from Dark Horse, which is sadly now out of print. Uh, I own the sequel series, Gunsmith Cats Burst, which is also sadly out of print. Um, the manga is out of print. And for the longest time, the anime was out of print. So it seemed like no one would be able to go back and watch this until the Kickstarter came in. But now you've got an opportunity. If you want to watch the dub of Gunsmith Cats, you have to buy it. Um, it is not yet legally streaming, although Animego does have a history of eventually putting up their shows both subbed and dubbed on legal streaming sites. Um, they just haven't made this one yet. But... Uh, if you yourself would like to check it out, I wholeheartedly recommend it. It's packed with special features. Um, if you got 80 bucks to throw down for the limited edition, it comes with a fantastic art book. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's one of my favorite anime of all time and I wholeheartedly support it and I hope you check it out. Hello, my name is Stephanie. I've been converted to the church of gunsmith cats. <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking true. <laughs> and our Messiah, Rally Vincent. Messiah Rally Vincent's all hail Rally Vincent. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah, I'm 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 glad you pestered me into supporting the Kickstarter and getting this getting this fun little show. I just wish there was more. <laughs> I really do. So anyways, I'm not good at this, so Stephanie, do you wanna tell uh list off our patrons and tell them where they can find us? Can I do the patrons this time? Yeah, sure. I like doing the patrons list. Because you like to try and read one of them without laughing. I can do it now! Thank God. <laughs> We'd like to thank our bomb-ass patrons, Crimson Echidna, Michelle Travis, and Nico Robin Butt with Yowie Hands, and our explosive patrons, Carly Lustikow, Jacob Wilson, J2, aka Jared, Marco Bermudez, Marissa Lenti, and Weeby. Yes, because of you guys supporting us over on Patreon, we can have fun little episodes like this sometimes. Um... But yeah, I mean, we didn't really talk about it much in the beginning, actually. This Gunsmith Cat is actually going to be the first of 12 episodes that are going to be coming out over the course of the year, because Dub Talk is five years old this year. We're going to kindergarten! <laughs> We're going to anime kindergarten, fuckers. <laughs> we'll be horrible at it. <laughs> but um, no, yeah, like for sure, thank you for supporting us these past five years and what we do here. Um, we've... Honestly, all 12 of us have grown so much, both as a group and as individuals. Um, and having the love and support of you guys over the years has been downright fantastic. Um, but yeah, so <laughs> for the next 11 months, you're going to be seeing each of the hosts host their own episode for a show that means a lot to them. Um, Hopefully by the time this comes out, the actual guessing game, because Megan started the guessing game yesterday as to who's covering what. I didn't actually put up today's yet, and I feel really bad. I'm just going to double up tomorrow's, because I want to get this all out by the end of the week. I know. <laughs> I haven't seen any guesses yet, which sucks, but you know. I have. Everyone's gotten somebody's right, so. Oh, nice. But anyway, um, if you want to continue supporting us here... Uh, and you really enjoy what we do here, the best way to do that is following us here on YouTube, uh, where we post episodes uh, every week, once a week, sometimes twice a week. Um, I know we have a few other things in the pipeline right now. Um, recently, I know our, our Anime NYC interview with Clifford Chapin just came out. 
the other two, one of them is done. The third one has not been touched yet. Um, and, uh, so the Anime NYC vlog is done. <laughs> Finally. Now it's now it's time for the A-Fest one. I know. <laughs> the monstrosity. Because it, it's... Ugh, a lot has been happening for me and I haven't been able to touch them for a while. But I digress. Um, otherwise, you can follow us, of course, would be Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr is dead, Twitch, um, all at Dubtuck Podcast. And hey, if you really, really like what we do um, and you want to support us in a completely different way, um, for one-time donations, we do have a coffee account at Dubtuck Podcast. And we have, as Megan had read off their names earlier, we have our Patreon, um, where you can subscribe to a variety of tiers, one, two, five dollar, and ten dollar tiers, and you get various rewards um, for your extra support to the channel. Uh, as for the three of us, us wonderful OG original goats, the original goats as Hardy lovingly calls us, which mm -hmm. is fantastic. Um, that has not changed in five years, and it will stay the same. <laughs> Does not matter. Um, he, our wonderful host over there, is Spaceman Hardy. You can follow him on Twitter at Spaceman Hardy. He is also a forum moderator for the Funimation forums. Megan over there, she is on Twitter at QueenEra2, where she loves to shitpost. And that's basically it. <laughs> um, meanwhile, I, I'm Stephanie, aka Lilac. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Lilac Anime Review, with review being R spelled R-E-V-U-E. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Hardy. Um... And I also have a blog that I should resurrect sometime, uh, lifeandtimesotaku.wordpress.com. Uh, I think that covers everything, yes? Yes, it does. Thank you very much, Stephanie. I will say this. We don't have a set order for these 12 birthday episodes. We're just going with it. <laughs> so I, I honestly do not know at the time of recording this which one out of the remaining 11 is going to be next. <laughs> So I can't tell you nothing. It's a mystery. It's a mystery. You're going to have to guess which one's next. Ooh, lolly. Anyways, take us home, Hardy. Yes, ma'am. Uh, I am Spaceman Hardy, as they have already mentioned. And thank you again for sitting and watching our episode on this wonderful classic anime. As always, otaku on, my friends. And keep it manly. This episode was the bomb. God damn it. <laughs> Ha ha ha!